Welcome back to Adorkable. I'm your host, Ricky. We are going to be talking about something I think is very, very important. But first, let me apologize yet again. I haven't been able to do these podcasts. I wanted to be consistent, but I can't because school and finals and work and stuff. I know, excuses, I'm sorry. But all true. Finals have been uh, slowly making me insane and... The stress of it all has been getting to me. But thank God I have a support system that has been helping me out. So thank you, Jen. But moving onwards, let's talk about this podcast. This podcast is going to be, just as the title describes, all about what adaptations have failed us in film. These adaptations can be coming from books to graphic novels to even little comic strips that are on a newspaper. I'm looking at you, Tintin. So, let's start off with the obvious bender in the room. We're talking about the one and only, The Last Airbender. Boy, was that bad. M. Night Shyamalan directed the film, and he still stands true to his statement, saying that he does not regret anything that he did with that film. That's, that was his... uh interpretation of the source material and he wanted it wanted to have his own directed viewing of it or director's uh, view of it and I I want to be able to say I I get where you're coming from but I if the source material is that good and you don't want to be shadowed by the source material you got to think way outside the box not just change everything about the source material and then put it in film. It's bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> Comically bad, actually. Like, the main things that bothered me in that film were the fact that Aang, A-A-N-G, Aang, as they described him in the source material that Nickelodeon produ- uh, produced, got his name changed to Ong. Because why not? Two, the firebenders cannot produce their own flames from their own chi anymore, which is weird. So they actually have to use the fire that's around them. That makes it more difficult. The reason why the Fire Nation was so overpowered is because they can actually produce those flames through their own body chi. That's, that's what made them such a huge threat, the fact that they didn't need ammunition. They were the ammunition. Just like how airbenders didn't have to actually have, like, lung supply, air in their lungs to actually produce their uh, airbending. They just got the air from around them. Just like a water, they don't... Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, I see where the twist was coming from. I just don't feel like it was really well produced at all now, still. Because that's the whole point of making the Fire Nation so OP was the fact that they didn't need their surroundings to create fire. Which was cool. Third, obviously because it's an adaptation film, it's going to be rushed with their storyline. And it felt very, very rushed. I mean, there's a pace and then you should like go through it. Like in the series, there was a nice steady pace of how the story developed. But that's the difference between series and movie. Movies, you have to hype it up because you have to fit whatever amount of uh, story you can in one hour and 45 minutes. Which makes a long journey like Aang's and Katara's shortened to one hour and 45 minutes almost impossible. 
So that was another flaw in that movie. And if you don't agree with me, that's on you, and I completely understand. If you actually like that movie, I don't know how, but okay. If you like that movie, you like that movie. I honestly did not. M. Night Shyamalan has produced many good amount of films. I just don't feel this one was one of them. And that is on me. I understand that. Next one on the list, which I can uh, remember, is Resident Evil series. The whole, the whole, the whole series. It's just so, so bad. If you guys remember the first, like the first one, for its time in the 2000s, oh, that first one was iconic. And it was so good. Alice being in the house, trying to figure out what's going on. Everything's going to hell, going against the Red Queen, the liquor at the end. That was cool. I mean, it was very, it was very CG'd. But the only CG part was either the liquor or the laser scene. The laser scene was great, though. So great. But I guess the oversaturation of the franchise caused it to like produce more and more and more crud, if I want to say. It, I, I, it was just... You can talk about milking a franchise with this one because it was just every new movie that came out was worse and worse and worse they would and it would leave gaps between each of the stories which would leave minimal minimal explanation throughout the next movie to be like oh that's what happened oh that's what happened oh that's what happened to like quicken the story for them which is not okay because the Resident Evil franchise if you've actually played the video games have been very We'll ignore some of the other games. The rest of the games have been very, very fun and very interesting with the story. Especially Resident Evil 4. Everybody remembers Resident Evil 4, Leon Kennedy versus Las Plagas. Las Plagas. That was cool. But, again, our main issue was the fact that it somehow revolved around Alice and her plight that was singular to the t-virus and then every other ad adaptation afterwards but wasn't really which made it very difficult to follow and the majority of the time it became less of a horror franchise like it really was because the first one was an actual horror franch- franchise of a story which is just so good but the second one and the third and everything afterwards it became more comedic and more action oriented less of the actual horror franchise that we wanted. It became more of a shoot 'em up Which a lot of the, a lot of the games are, yes, indeed, you have to shoot up zombies. That's, that's self-explanatory why you have to do that. But there was a horror element in those games. And like in, this mo- in the movies, there really wasn't. The only horror elements were the pop scares that you got from like monsters coming from around the bend or scariness. I guess that's why I actually appreciated the newest Resident Evil game that came out, Biohazard, because it went back to its roots of of horror and fright, because it was so scary playing it, and it wasn't just jump scares, it was just the whole feel of it, being stuck in a Louisiana bayou, uh, like in the boondocks away from like civilization, trying to find the woman you love, and it's just so... 
enticing of a story. That's why I guess I liked it so much versus the Resident Evil movies where it's just like bang, bang, boom, boom, keep going, bang, bang, boom, boom, keep going, bang, bang, boom, boom, keep going, bang, bang, boom, boom, keep going. And it's not okay. As a fan, I was not okay. But because I was a fan and I, re- and I watched the first two and three, I had to keep going to finish the cycle. Because every time I thought, so they're going to end with this one. Nope, they're going to end with this one. Nope, they're going to end with this one. Which, tangent note, which is really messed up because, no, I should save this for later. Save this for later after my, after my top three. Because this is a top three and this needs to be said. This needs to be said so everybody knows it. The third and final adaptation, which I thought was going to be really, 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 really cool. And they bombed it. Batman versus Superman. When the announcement came out, and I mean the announcement came out like a champ. Because DC loves their animated movies. And they are rocking it with their animated movies. I'd rather watch the animated movies rather than anything else they've been pulling out right now. The only thing they had good was Wonder Woman. And that was it. It was like a one-hit wonder for DC. But this... 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 Ah... This announcement, as they read read a, read a piece of the script from the animated version of uh, The Dark Knight Returns, when Batman fought Superman, was golden for them to say during a Comic-Con event, because everybody was losing their minds, and they wanted to see that so bad, and then more, more information came out slowly but surely, and I automatically knew, oh, this is not going to be too well. They hired Ben Affleck as Batman, and a lot of people actually liked him and what I mean a lot of people the ones that were not nerds and like the ones who were not into the source material as much and I thought that was a little insane to me because I didn't enjoy his Batman at all and granted this is not to say anything bad about Ben Affleck as an actor he just shouldn't have acted he should not have had that role and whoever was his writer should not have written those those lines they were just they're so bad and cringy, and just the first 10 minutes of the film were just really weird with bat, with like little Bruce Wayne hovering into the sky with bats circling around him. No, just no. So, Batman vs. Superman was a complete letdown. I mean, sure, the uh, Man of Steel, when that came out, that was entertaining. I'm not going to lie. I actually did see him, Henry Cavill, as a real Superman. Like, that's in my head. He was, all right, that is the image of Superman. That's badass. But then I saw Batflick, and I was like, I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to watch it. And I will judge it accordingly. And accordingly, I did, because, oh, my God. So bad. So, so bad. So, so bad. The lines, the script. And then when they came out with Justice Justice League, it was even worse. Barry Allen was alright. I loved what they did with Aquaman, because Aquaman isn't actually that badass in the comics. He really is. They just... He's just plagued with the 80s version of him that continues to pop up from time to time. But they have been to talk to fish. Like, no. Aquaman is the king of Atlantis, a badass. Like, my Aquaman in my head is from Justice League Unlimited. 
the man who cut off his own arm to save his uh, his child and put a hook on there and tried to kill his brother because of it and that was dope i appreciated that because that was awesome what i didn't appreciate was the fact that they made batman not batman they focused more on making him the false identity of bruce wayne because if you're a Batman fan, you understand that Bruce Wayne is not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is actually Batman. Just like how Superman is Superman and his secret identity is Bruce... I mean, is... Um, I'm sorry. How Superman's secret identity is actually Clark Kent. Batman's secret identity is actually Bruce Wayne. Because he's never been the same after what he saw when he was a child. And because of that... He's become into the man that he is now, which is Batman. And majority of his life has gone to the mission of being Batman, not Bruce Wayne. He becomes Bruce Wayne from time to time to show the people he's alive. That's basically about it. And instead of making him Batman, they made Batflick Bruce Wayne. And not even Bruce Wayne who's trying to be Batman. Bruce Wayne who's... I don't want to say pompous. That's not the word. Uh, Bruce Wayne, who's... They made him into his fake persona of a playboy billionaire. And it feels wrong because it feels like he's trying too hard to, like, escape his playboy billionaire persona to be Batman. And it just continues to feel so wrong. And Batman doesn't kill I mean, when he's older, like in the actual Dark Knight comics, when he's like semi-senile, sure, he does often kill, like from time to time. But in the in the in the movie Batman vs Superman, he blows people up, shoots the cars on fire, making them explode, and running the cars over. He his body count has is up there. Batman's whole persona of being a dark knight is the fact that not he's not that he's above it all or the fact that he doesn't want to kill. It's that fact that he has all this knowledge and skill where it's easy to kill, but he chooses not to because he has to be better. And this Batman that he that Batflick portrayed was not that at all. It was not Batman at all. It was his Playboy persona. Bruce Wayne trying to be Batman, not Batman trying to be Bruce Wayne, if that makes any sense at all. So those are my top three three uh, adaptations that fell short, in my opinion. They weren't ranked in any way or form, like that was number one and this was number three. Those are just the three that come to mind where I'm just, I have a, a soft, soft spot I'm talking about, which is really, really really important when you're a nerd when you have that so I'm gonna say this now in a recent news update Mila I can't pronounce her name so well the lead actress who portrayed Alice in Resident Evil Mila Djokovic is now the showrunner for the Monster Hunter live adaptation if we know anything about the past. Live adaptations do not do well when it comes from video games or other franchises. 
one adaptation that actually did well was actually from a book at that was Holes. Believe it or not, when you read the read the novel and you actually read read the script and watch the movie, they're very similar. They stick to the uh, the copyright and like the source material, and it's great. The movie's great. The book's great. That's one of the few adaptations that actually work for the actual for the actual film, and. I am a I am an avid Monster Hunter fan. I never played the PlayStation 2 version in the beginning. I played the when it first came to handheld on the PlayStation Portable. That's the one I played and I loved it. I just don't feel that Monster Hunter needs to be in the big screen. I know Sony did amazingly well with the release of Monster Hunter World. Wait, I'm sorry. I apologize. It was not Sony. I don't know why I said Sony. My bad. I meant Capcom. I know Capcom did amazingly well with their uh, with selling over 7 billion units worldwide of the game. I just don't feel it needs the film adaptation. You know, you should not quit while you're ahead, but quit before you step over yourself, trip, fall, and break your neck. Because the franchise is great. The Monster Hunter games have always been a fun time. It's just you cannot... Put something like that on the big screen and using an actress like Mila Djokovic to be the actress to lead up the, the, the story of it, I don't think it's going to do well at all. This is just them trying to saturate the market again and I know for a fact it's not going to go well at all. What's the story? They're going to try and catch an Elder Dragon? Well, they're just going to pop right into fighting an Elder Dragon? I don't think that's a good idea for story at all. And it's not like they can start off like with an easy easy hunt either with like a small little freaking raptor thing when it it just I don't know where this story is gonna even go or like I don't know why I'm even so touchy about it. It's just to that point where I'm just flabbergasted at the idea that they'll they want a Monster Hunter World live adaptation and it's not and I know from experience that it's not going to be okay as a viewer of, of films with adaptations. It's not. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I know I rambled a little bit and stumbled over. I'm still a little stressed for my finals and making a portfolio and studying about Othello, The Winter's Tale, and The Tempest. But please stay tuned. The summer's coming up. I'll be able to have a little more fun, hopefully, with uh, my time and be able to actually enjoy talking and using my podcast more about relevant and upcoming events, which I'm really excited for, like E3 and other amazing gaming and fandom events that are coming. So stay tuned for that. I'm your host, Ricky. Thank you for thank you for uh, listening into Adorkable. It's been a while, but I'm back, and I really missed you guys, and I hope you guys missed me. So please, stick around for my next episode. I'll see you guys later.